Hey guys, how are you? It's Jeff Kelman of Solid Canine Training, and this is another episode of What Would Jeff Do Goes Deep, WWJD Goes Deep. This is going to be a little bit different though, because it's not about anything I talked about in my podcast, but this is a great opportunity for me to talk about what happened to one of my seminars. There was a great post that we put up with a really nervous, fearful, anxious dog that was afraid of horses. And the dog has got no food drive, no toy drive, no, you know, praise drive, any of your normal um, positive reinforcers to say, hey, this horse is good. So there's nothing you can do to this dog to convince it that the horse is good. So uh, meanwhile, it won't go next to a horse. So if you see in the video, in a matter of about three to five minutes, we have this dog sitting, sitting next to a horse while I petted the horse, I actually nuzzled the horse. I think I actually might have even kissed the damn horse. Um, in fact, <laughs> it tastes still in my mouth. So the thing is, what did I use? good old-fashioned leash pressure and release and we all need to have this skill set with our dogs so did i use force to get the dog the, the dog next to the horse yes i did i sure did and force is not a bad word because you know what a lot of times that's all you got but you have to know how to use it properly you have to know when to put pressure on the leash and when to release and the, when does the learning happen? A lot of times the learning happens on the release of pressure. So it's a combination of you're pulling the dog closer to the thing that it's afraid of, and then you're releasing and then you're holding. But the dog is released from pressure. And you can spend you know months getting the dog to approach the horse. And some people might think, well, that's better. The dog did it willingly. Well, yes. I did it with pressure, okay, forcing in three to five minutes. And then guess what? After I did it, I did it again. And you know what happened after that? I gave the leash to the owner and the owner did it instantly. So in a matter of 10 minutes, we accomplished something that has never been able to be done for this dog before. The owner walked right up to the horse, sat the dog, and petted the horse. That couldn't be done before. So how could that be bad? Well, ask enough people, they'll tell you the reason why it can be bad. But from someone that does this all the time, works with nervous, fearful, anxious dogs, we all know these are not high-drive dogs. These are not drive dogs that want to work. These are not dogs that... They're, in, they're enticed by play. These are not dogs that if you all get them all, you know, happy, they're going to do what you want. Even if you used high value treats, even if I threw out a steak or its favorite ball, it would actually not go by the horse because the horse's fear overrode, I'm sorry, the dog's fear would override that. So when you're working with nervous, fearful, anxious dogs, a lot of times, Yep, change the dog's physical location, control the dog's actual physical movements, the mind will follow. We see that all the time. Let me repeat that statement because that is a very powerful statement. I didn't realize that, I've been saying it for years, but let me repeat that. Move the dog's physical location. Move the dog's body the mind will follow in a good way. The dog stays away, 
the mind stays away and disengaged, the dog moves forward, the dog learns how to be comfortable, eventually the dog's mind is comfortable. How quick? We don't know until we try, right? Took me three to five minutes. It took the owner five seconds. They just walked right up to the horse. Success. So we got the dog over its fear in three to five minutes. A lot of people will say, well, because I've heard this, we do it slower, which is fine if you want to. Well, we, we would have taken two months. We would have done counter conditioning protocols. We would have created positive associations, you know, a lot of stuff like that. I'm like, so you stressed out the dog for two months? Every time that dog saw a horse, it got nervous for two months. Wow. That doesn't seem like very positive in my world. Why not get the dog over the horse today, right now, before lunch? I actually think we did it after lunch, but still. You get the point. So I think, now, do we do this for everything? No, we don't do it for everything. Do we do it for a lot of stuff? Yes, we do. Manhole cover, covers, sewer grates, um, A-frames. Do you know that we have dogs that will walk down the street day after day, day after day, day after day, and if a restaurant, which I think is still open until maybe next week when they're forced to close, with a restaurant, They'll put a little A-frame, you know, like, welcome to the restaurant or takeout only, which a lot of the signs say right now, right? Takeout and delivery. That A-frame, the dog won't buy, the dog will not go by the restaurant. These are the dogs we work with. Literally, you cannot get that dog by that restaurant. It's been walking by that restaurant for two years. A-frame shows up, I'm not walking by it. A blue recycle bin is out for recycling. I'm not going by it. A plastic bag floats by, the dog hits the ground. These are dogs we work with. These are dogs. Here's, here's another good example. Dog won't walk on hardwood floors. Dog won't walk on linoleum floors. Dog won't walk on wet grass. Are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. You're a dog. Wet grass? You won't walk on wet grass? Come on. Guess what we do? We walk on wet grass. We hold the leash, we go. As soon as the dog hits the wet grass, the brakes go on, we give it a little bit of tension, go three to four inches, release the tension, pressure again, another six inches, release, another six inches, release. Next thing you know, all four paws are on grass. What do you do? Turn back around, get off the grass, do it again. This time, 50% of the dog goes on there. Wow, we made progress. One quick pressure, dog's on the grass. Holy shit, that only took two times. First time it took six times. Come off the grass, next time walk onto the grass and keep going. We see this over and over and over and over again. In a matter of two minutes, we got that dog to walk on wet grass and an owner or someone else will say, the dog's never, three years, been able to go on wet grass. We just stopped it in seconds. That's actually a great example. Replace wet grass with any different surface. An incline, a decline, steps, past certain things, through certain things.
into cars. That's a big one. Dog won't go into a car. Sure it will. So there's so many things. There's so many concepts. So force has become a bad word. It's been hijacked to mean abuse. One of the other ones that have been there. They've been hijacked. No, it's not. If that's all you got. You can put force in the positive category if you want to. If, it, if that's the only thing that works, if that's the only motivator, when you're trying to teach a dog something, you have to figure out the dog's motivation. Sometimes that's all you got. When you're do, dealing with these dogs that are, that unfortunately genetically have got so much fear in them, anxiety in them, maybe they're not wired right, no disrespect to a dog. You've got to show them that they can do it. Once you show them that they can do it, they're like, oh, who knew? I knew. Now you know. Madly in love with you. Jeff Gellman, solid canine training. Proof is in the pudding. What would Jeff do? Going deep, baby. Going deep. Love you all. Stay safe. Bye.